like I'm not going to sit here and wait for your picture to show up. So I go to other tabs and I look at other shit, but I'm also terrified because you have zero attention wait more than like 10 seconds because <laughs> I don't want to deal with the fallout. Yeah. No, I, I understand. I, I mean, I, I would, I would, you know, obviously just become enraged if I had to wait more than 10 seconds because go. like you, like the rest of us, I can't just sit and wait for a moment. I have to look at something. This that, is the, the world we live in. Well, and that instant gratification is why yeah. for this edition of the Monsters of Sox podcast, we must be very happy because they the Red Sox just beat the Astros twice in a row. They did beat the Astros twice in a row. It's Mookie Day Eve. And well, not for when not for when people are listening to this. Not for it's Mookie Day when people are listening to us. Although it's though it's look it's looking like it's gonna be rainy tomorrow, so it could get pushed back. We'll see. Um, do you want me to just do you want me to just say my because I, I obviously thought about this and like I have something to say. You have something to say about this being Mookie Day, and specifically, yeah. I understand why all the beat writers are writing the same exact story because they all are now talking to Mookie for the first time in a long time. Yeah, and he's there, and they all in there. He's saying the same story to each one of them. I I think tell it's the same fine story. to talk about it. Yeah. Totally understandable. Carabas was like, you know, I want to talk about this too. All right, okay, sorry, hold, hold on. But he's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm a little sick of hearing about all this. And, and to the degree that I don't need to read a single one of, like, maybe I read one, but I didn't read many more mm-hmm. of the beat writer stories. To me, this is like St. Patrick's Day, and it's like I can drink whatever I want. Like I have shit on the Mookie trade on any day I ever felt like it. I don't need to do it today. What do I care about today? Yeah. Yeah. All you guys have to do it today. I do it when I want. I can't believe you brought this. I mean, I can believe you brought this up. I'm, I'm um, pleased you brought this up. This has been bothering me all day. And it's more a thing about, it's, it's not about Carabas specifically. And he, and he wasn't the only person to post those sentiments. It's more just about Red Sox Twitter in general, which I hate so so much. I really Let's really get so get on that Red Sox Blue Sky. I got invites, man. <laughs> Red Sox Blue Sky. Let's fucking do it. I'm, I'm not even kidding. I'm not. I'm not. Is kidding. there a Red when Sox I say Blue today, Sky? I'm not. I'm being totally truthful. When today was the first day, I actually started intentionally going back and forth. To start yeah. working in more blue. Wow! Yeah. Look at you. Following. So how do you, so how do you like it so far? It's the same exact fucking thing. So it's just like <laughs> rebuilding it. Uh, yeah. And in a way, it's like a very worthwhile project to rebuild your follow list to like reconsider everything. And like, yeah, I'm thinking to myself, who are the most important people I follow? And like, the answers are not. I mean, they're not far off than I would have thought, but maybe they're not exactly what I would have thought. So it's interesting. Anyhow, yeah. I like, but again, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, I, I, I saw that tweet too. And I saw like four or five other people say more or less the same thing. And I just want to say to these people, when they, when they say, I'm so sick already of talking about Mookie this weekend, I just want to say to you, like, you realize the only place 
where people are talking about Mookie is on Red Sox Twitter, on the very platform that you are complaining about it. Like, you go walk down the street. <laughs> walk down the heart of downtown Boston. You're not going to get assaulted with takes about Mookie Betts. That's well, not how the world works anymore. That's just it's just because I haven't been to Boston. <laughs> you have, but that's true. Maybe you're doing that. But, like, all Red Sox Twitter is just a bunch of people who – voluntarily and they obviously get pleasure out of this because they wouldn't do it otherwise they just like to get on there and complain about other red sox fans that's all it is it's it's so infuriating and so just like okay you're sick of hearing the mookie dialogue first of all get over it like why like why is it i i always get bothered in general when people get sick of hearing about any particular sports narrative because all of sports is just narrative. That's all it is. Like this Especially is entertainment. Baseball, We're here to talk. It's literally America's pastime. And how do you pass the time talking about shit that yeah. doesn't matter? He is one of the greatest Red Sox players of all time. Unquestionably, he's a certain first ballot Hall of Famer. He's gonna finish the year with 44 fucking home runs this year. He's already won an MVP. He very well will win another one before his career is done. Like he is on look, he's he's obviously not I at mean, this level because he's, he's ahead, only here for six I believe years. He's ahead of Acuna in Fangraph's war. And I like I, he did just Acuna's move in. Yeah. It. it does as pro, provided he doesn't get hurt, Acuna's gonna win it. That's nothing to do with it. But he's the third best player in baseball. Yeah. When we're just like, talking like, about, plainly, yeah. he's the third best player in baseball. Like he, he wasn't in Boston. He might be the second, enough, but actually, actually, now he's the second. He was, yeah. the, he was the third when Otani could pitch. When Otani, now he's oh, the second. Oh, that's true. The man, that was this is that was dark news to wake up to this morning. Um, but look, he wasn't here long though, enough. Like, people are like, Brian, let me talk. God damn it! Oh, no, god damn it! Fine, <laughs> go ahead, talk. He wasn't here long enough. But in terms of his level of talent and contributions to his team, he is right up there with Bird and Orr and Brady and Ortiz and Williams. He is. He is. And I think people underestimate that somehow. That is how good he is. That's how good he is. That's how he would be treated if he were still in a Boston uniform. It's a big fucking deal. It's a big fucking deal that he was traded. It's a big fucking deal that he's coming back here this weekend. It's exciting. I'm happy to see him. I can't wait to see him play in Fenway again. I love the guy. I miss the guy. We're allowed to talk about that. And if you don't want to hear about that, you're just somebody who's made up some Red Sox-centric Twitter handle to go onto Twitter and just tweet about the Red Sox all the time. You don't have to do that. You can just choose not to do that instead of, getting on there and just policing everybody else's behavior. That's just stop policing everyone else's behavior. You don't have to do it. That's what bothers me more than anything else. All right. Try to temper this down a little bit. I think or is the best comparison actually just because of the, um, the height of the peak, but also like the, in not North, not Orr's fault or not, Boogie's all, but he was traded. So, like, it, yeah, it, it but he, but I think yeah, or won two. I think it was 70 and 72. Or he won two, and he was traded only at the end of his career, right? right? So, but I mean, not that's the same thing. But I think it's the, when Brady and Ortiz, uh, 
one three each, then it sort of like gets. We're talking more like individual yeah. peak. Now, if you're talking Ortiz in 2013 or Brady in any of the last three, sure, or maybe four and five. Not that you care, but the people. Frankly, like but, there is but, no but 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 but, 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 but Damn, would you let me talk? <laughs> I, late night, man. Late I, night yeah, pods. I'm also, you know what the issue is? I'm I'm sitting on a couch for the first time. I've never recorded a pod on the couch. And I think it's like I have to I have to lean forward to to sort of get to the microphone. Cheryl and I think Sandberg, I Cheryl Sandberg, I, you're proud of you. She would. I'm lead, I am being more aggressive because of this forward lean. I think I feel like there might be other factors involved, but I'm just going to leave that to myself. Um, <laughs> the The thing is, I understand why the beat writers are reporting about this, and to say nothing bad about Carabas, and I like just like I think we have way more in common with Carabas than we have against him, and that's not trying to kiss his ass. I. Like he's out there, but he's also like a house organ in some ways. And that is not saying that he or other people who have this take, who are like your Sam's Kennedy otherwise, are not like coming from a place of their own truth, so to speak. But I could see how if you were invested in this year's team in the sense that like you knew the people on this year's team and really wanted them to succeed you'd just be like get over it everyone but as mm-hmm. i said from the beginning like when i was growing up people were still upset about the babe ruth trade and to me this is the same shit it's in the same batch of the worst 10 trades in baseball history and not only that, the same fucking people run the team. It's not like it's ancient history. It's like, oh, well, that, that presidential administration isn't in charge anymore. It's like, no, you were still allowed to get mad at George W. Bush. Get over the January 6th. In the, you were still George W. Bush about the Iraq war, war during his second term. That was still fair game. It yeah. still happened. Yeah. yeah. So like. I understand, but I understand where those people are coming from, and I understand why they're exasperated because they're reading the same story over and over, and it's such an easy storyline. But my point was that I started with, and that I will stick to, is that I don't need an excuse, man. I'll do it any day. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it Saturday. I'll do it Sunday. <laughs> I'll do it Monday. Something kind of clicked for me when we were talking about comparisons. And that's the fact that there is no comparison because, you know, on a talent level, he is up there with Brady and Williams and Yaz and Bird. He is. But none of those guys were traded except for There's like, one. Or, or left at the very end of his career, like you said. And, you know, so, exa- there is one. There is one. I mean, are, are you talking about Babe Ruth? No, no. I mean, I mean, like, sense favor it's a rod it really is like it's it's the only one well no i'm talking about i'm talking about in terms of a boston comparison well he was traded to boston (laughs) for 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 one night but no i'm saying like in a boston comparison so like if i don't i was trying to think i was like well there's wade boggs 
you know, Boggs is uh, a, an all-time great who left the Red Sox and not only left the Red Sox, but, but went to, to a rival. Years, like he, he put in plenty of years. He's not, and frankly, like, Mookie is better than Boggs. There's no question about it. Um, they're much different players, but I feel comfortable Which saying is Mookie is... to say because Wade Boggs was so fucking Wade good. Wade Boggs was so fucking good at one or at two, at, at two aspects of the game. Mookie Betts is is so fucking good at every aspect of the yeah. game. Uh, Boggs also left as a free agent. He wasn't traded, um, and like you said, he had already he was he was kind of past his prime when he left. So you can't really say Boggs is the one. You can't really say it's Clemens. Now Clemens, when you talk about Clemens, now that is someone who who is you know Matt better. De facto, yes. De facto, yes. But like the jour. Not so much because the yeah. situation was so, so murky. So um, murky. And like, he had already yes, it off. ended up that like his, he, like he's, I, one, one thing that, um, talking about number retirements, was like, because uh, Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry are only now being retired by the Mets. Really, and I, realized, I realize and I realized that Clemens wasn't retired by the Red Sox, which makes sense in some way, but at the other side, on the other side, it's like <clears throat> there is a very, very, very strong argument that he's the best pitcher of all time. Oh, unquestionably. <laughs> unquestionably, there is, yeah. So he's close, but he had already kind of look, he Roger Clemens obviously had two very distinct phases of his career. <laughs> We all know why and how the second phase happened. The him and, and bon- it, him and Bonds were on the. They did the exact same thing. They were Hall yeah. of Famers without steroids, and then the best in the game with steroids. The best of all time. Yeah, with yeah, steroids. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Clemens, I guess, is a little bit close, but again, not traded, free agent, uh, appeared to be in the downswing of his career. So the fact of the matter is, there is no comparable. To Mookie in Boston sports history, there isn't. There's no. There is not a case of a guy who. I, is, I, I, hold on, I need to. I'm. Sh- I think he was traded. I have. It, it doesn't reach the level, and you, this wouldn't be your uh, bailiwick, so to speak. Um, but you say lawyer Malloy. Um. Oh no. Okay, so I was so I was mistaken because the Patriots drafted Jim, Jim Plunkett. Who ended up winning two Super Bowls for the Raiders? I thought until ten seconds ago that they traded him to the Raiders. They did. They traded him to the Niners, and the Niners traded him to the Raiders. So, gotcha. Okay. Patriots. Patriots off the hook on that one. Right. Speaking I of still... which, speaking of which, a very good buddy of mine just texted me and was like, "Do you want to go to the season opener, which is the Eagles, and it's Tom Brady retirement night?" I was like, um, "I'll go." So exciting. Massachusetts. Well, welcome home. When does the season start? Mainland. Eh, You guys are Eh. the real Massachusetts. Settle down. Settle down. But anyway, so yes, just because you're ninety-six percent of the land area, don't let it go to way more than that. (laughs) It's got to be way more than that. Four percent. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, it let's, could be. Let's move. But on. anyway, so yes. So yeah, let's move on. Like, uh, but the fact that the fact that we can't think of a of a real good comp for this, like, yeah, people are going to talk about it. They're going to talk about it. All well, weekend. there is a good comp. It's and, Babe Ruth. 
Like, it's paper. It's paper. That's the cop. And that's yes, not that is, that is like the single last cop you want. Yes, exactly. So yeah, people are gonna talk about it. And I'm happy. I'm happy to see him in town. Like I I, I love watching Mookie Betts play. Like that's I'm not one of these he's one of the few players we are like, shit, this guy's playing in my stadium. I want to see that. I want to, and he's on that. He, by the way, he got five hits today. He's on an absolute eater right now. As you just mentioned, you just mentioned that he passed Acuna. He was way behind Acuna two months ago, and he has just been just cruising since then. Um, we won't, so we'll get to see him. We won't get to see JD. We'll get to see Kike, who's also cruising. We'll get to see Ryan Brazier, who's also cruising. Very excited uh, for that. Very excited, yeah. I mean, I, I am legitimately looking forward to this weekend. I think it's going to be fun. I mean, I have to say it's really house money after the Yankees series. We did end the Yankees season, yeah. So what do you think about well, that? No, we ended way more than that. Because the changes are coming. And, I, and that I series... Yeah, they, are. They, are. they are. Well, well uh, how... This is different. It's different. Okay. I just, mean, I think Aaron Boone say, is gone. We say all this, right? They haven't finished below 500 in a million fucking years. Mm-hmm. They're going to. Oh, they're absolutely going to, yeah. And Aaron now, Boone they, is now Tony can't save them. Aaron, if the one, the one potential silver lining to Otani getting hurt is that he yeah. can't hurt us. No, yeah, that's not even. That's it's not even. even it's the worst. I mean, so it is the I, worst. I, I, but I, I, I have to say it's the worst. But I, maybe just because I'm me. But I was just like, I mean, yeah, shit was. He's a pitcher. Pitchers get hurt. Not, yeah. and he doesn't just pitch. He but he already did. Like that's the thing. Like I thought we were already over this. I thought we were. At, I didn't think we'd have to worry about it. It's the exact same injury. Exact same injury that he already had. Right, but isn't that like my understanding as the injuries go on is that like that is far more likely than a different injury. Yeah, I don't know. He might need Tommy John again. That's pretty rare. I mean, we know Nasty Nate got Tommy John twice, but it doesn't happen a lot. No, but if anyone has the like pure I woke up and I'm going to throw 95 Gene as much as nasty Nate. It's Otani. Yeah, that is true. Ugh, poor guy. Let's not think about it. All right, what do you want to think about instead then? Hmm. Well, I mean, we don't usually preview the series this early, but this is a very, 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 very important series, even if it's against an NL team. Mm-hmm. They're all important. This is the playoffs right now. It really is. So, do you uh, think the Red Sox are going to make the playoffs? Let's 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 put you on the spot here. Uh, no, I don't. There, uh, I mean, I on opening day, I said eighty-four wins in fourth place. Uh, that, I mean, that was that was my opening day prediction. I that it seems like that's exactly where we're headed right now. I thought they were going to be ahead of the Orioles instead of the Yankees, um, but you know, there we go, eighty-four wins in fourth place. I don't see. I, I said I, I can't remember if I tweeted this or if I just put it in the Slack. I think I just put it in the Slack. I said two weeks ago that the Mariners were never going to lose again. Um, that seems to really uh, like their young pitching is just absurd. And now Julio Rodriguez 
Dude, really, really dude. took those Alex Verdugo comments to heart. Yo, when you said Mookie had what four or five hits, I was like, well, Julio five. Julio is just like, oh, okay, and like, yeah, that's great. I know. So I don't know if you caught this, but there was a in one of the the second was it the second game in the Astro series. I think it was the second game. Um, I definitely wow. didn't catch the first game. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch the first one. Yeah, that's okay. That was the that was the one to miss. If you're gonna miss any of the series, um, while Verdugo was hitting, uh, that's when Dave O'Brien and Kevin Millar decided to start talking about how good Julio Rodriguez was doing. And you know, it was interesting. Alex Verdugo had those comments about not making the All Star game, and he didn't call out. Julio Rodriguez specifically, but he said, you know, there's basically look like neither one of them made the team initially. And as replacement time came up, there was speculation that either one of them could be called Verdugo in some sense was having a better season, but not every sense. It was pretty close. Julio Rodriguez made the team. Of course he made the team. The game was in Seattle and Alex Verdugo spoke to the media and said, you know, I know there's some, there's some guys who made the team ahead of me who don't deserve to be there. And everyone took it to be Julio Rodriguez, and it probably was. And, you know, look, Alex, I mean, first of all, just just don't. He's, he, is the, he is the brightest young star in the game. Everyone knows that. He's, he is the future of the game. Yeah, Alex, it's the all-star game, man. <laughs> star. And Verdugo had already, like, his his slump already started by by the all-star break. It, you know, it's not like he was still playing the way he was in April. So just don't say that in general. But then, of course, the second half happens. Julio Rodriguez goes on an absolute otherworldly tear. And I... And, Dave O'Brien and Kevin Millar were talking about it, gushing about him while Verdugo was hitting. And was it a coincidence? Probably it was just a coincidence. Oh, but no did my conspiracy? No well, okay, all right. So you don't think it was a coincidence? So then, no. Here's, I think, here's, it's, here's I think it's benign. I think it's. I think it's a lot less like scandalous. I think it's just they have notes on each player, mm-hmm. and Alex Rodrigo. Alex Rodriguez. Alex Verdugo had recently said these things about Julio Rodriguez. So they just had that in the list of things we can talk about when Alex Verdugo is batting. I think it's as simple as that. Well, maybe, except he said it last month. Like, it wasn't all that recent. And, you know, one thing we know, we, we know from the, the Gary Streisky uh, interview that the Pot on Lansdowne boys did, you know, Gary was quite upfront about how uh, how many restrictions Nesson puts on their on-air personnel, um, and you know, all of the baseball world uh, erupted in anger when the Orioles fired their play-by-play guy for being very, very mildly um, suspended. Was he? He was just suspended. Yeah, he's. I mean, he, he like very mildly critiqued the past performance of the team and. You didn't even. You're right. You're, you're right. You didn't even critique. You just read the, the game notes that the team put out. Yeah, <laughs> he just stated facts into a microphone. Um, it's and like Gary Burgundy, but nobody fucked with the teleprompter. He just read yeah. it straight. 
And Gary talked about with Pot and Lansdowne guys how when you join Nesson, one of the first things you're told is that you do not report on the Red Sox, you report for the Red Sox. That, that was those were Gary's words. So I don't think they would bring up the comments he made in general. I don't think the, I don't think Nesson and the Sox would be happy about that, unless Nesson, unless the Red Sox are already starting the Alex Redugo smear campaign in anticipation of trying to dump him this off season, which I think we all know where this is headed. I don't think he's going to be around next year. Although if Alex Cora is, you know, departs first, then maybe that gives him a lifeline. All we know is that those two guys fucking hate each other for whatever reason. Not exactly sure what Bloom thinks about it or, or what the brass thinks about it, but those two guys hate each other and Verdugo's on his way out. And, it seemed, it seemed at least extremely knowing to me that they waited until Verdugo came up to start gushing about J. Rod. Not saying it was an order from on high, but and I, I don't think it was your game note situation. I don't think it was an order on high either, but I think it, you know, I think maybe both of them at the same time knew what they were doing. I just want to say that regardless of what is true or is not true about the motivations behind what you would describe, the fact we're talking about this with respect to Alex Verdugo, who I agree is probably not going to be on the team next year, the day Mookie is coming back is just illustrative of why I think that If you want to still be mad about it, you have every, it's it's not that you have every reason to like, as a person, it's like the evidence is strongly in your favor at the same time, at the same time, there is something to be said for just moving on. And it's whatever, sure. man, move on. If you want, that's fine. My or... thing is like, it's the, if, if high and bloom was replaced tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, good. Look, we're wiping the slate clean. It's fine. Uh, and it doesn't mean that I don't want High and Bloom to succeed. I would like to face my own uh, thoughts and feelings about what has happened square in the face if he turns around and makes this into a Braves-like organization, as I say he's trying to do, mm. and reckon with that at the time. And that's convenient, but it's also what I like to do. We wouldn't be here if we didn't like talking about this shit. And I like talking it out at the same time. Like right now, he is still in charge. He made this move. The centerpiece of this move outside of Connor Wong, who had a position player home run tonight. Good for you, Connor Wong. Uh, Verdugo is the face of that deal. And But as I've said to you before, that's not his fault. That is not his fault. Uh, other things are his fault, but that isn't. A lot of other things are his fault. Did you catch when it, during the, the big Pat Hoberg game the other night when he threw out Verdugo that like Cora did Cora seemed to not know what happened initially. He saw Hoberg just throw somebody out and he, he jumped out of the dugout and he had like fire in his eyes. And then he went up to Pat and Pat presumably said, you know, Verdugo said X, Y, and Z to me. And now Cora was just like, Oh, okay. And just like turned around. <laughs> it's, it's, it will be easier for me 
to put the Mookie trade solidly in the past when Verdugo was gone. I think I'm allowed that uh, much as other people are allowed to think that like I'm being fucking ridiculous, but it's like, it's, it was bad. It's just a, it was a bad move. It, It comes down to it. It was the first move, the biggest move, and it was the worst move. Everything since then has been better, and the team is plainly trending upward. Unquestionably. The good thing about today today is even for guys like me, this might be a good time to put it to rest. (laughs) Okay, so this is going to be the last time we ever talk about it? (laughs) No, but like (laughs) narrative narrative closure is a real thing. Yeah. Well, I do think you're right that Verdugo being gone would help. And how's this for a segue? Uh, We may have um, seen how that's going to happen today. Because I got to tell you, Brian, I am already in love with and ready to declare, I think, that Willie Abreu is my new favorite player. And I'm actually and and I'm going to say something, too. So he we just he just went four for five today with his first big league home run. I kind of wish he hadn't because I made this decision in my heart after his first game the other night, (laughs) even, and that was the game where, you know, he uh, overthrew the cutoff man and the catcher in the whole world uh, and and allowed two runners to advance and, and eventually come around to score in what was a tight game. And everyone was hating him on on for that. I got to say, look, I, I know it was the wrong baseball move, but, like, this is a guy playing in his first career major league game. He didn't even start the game. He was only in there because Verdugo was ejected. This is a guy who has a great arm. It's arguably his best tool is his arm. And, yeah, he wanted to throw a guy out on the, at the plate in his, in his major league debut. You know who else does? I do. Everyone who, who, ever, wants to, who, everyone who ever steps on the field – for the first time, if they're an outfielder, is like it'd be fucking badass if I threw out a guy at the plate today. I really hope I could do that. I don't blame the guy for trying that at all. I know it's not the right baseball move, but screw it. I don't mind seeing baseball players try to be romantic like that. So I love that. I love his swing. I really do. He hammers the ball. I love that he's like kind of a little pudgy guy, but still somehow athletic. He stole 31 bases in double A last year. As, you know, I mentioned that arm, like he can play center field. Um, I love this dude. I really do. So like, I'm, I mean, the outfield is going to be an interesting situation next year. Cause you got Rafaela too. Um, but I think we're starting opening day with either Breu or Rafaela in right in, well, center, frankly, probably either one of them would play center field and bump Duran to right. Although he, well, Duran doesn't really have the arm though. All right, th- th- there's some outfield decisions here. Someone probably has to get traded, frankly. Well, Verdugo has to get traded. We know that. But even beyond that, there's a little bit of a logjam, and it's and it's a little bit of an awkward fit in there. But I'm ready for the Abreu era to begin. Well, this is part of what I'm talking about with this Dodgers series being so uh, excellently timed to sort of move past it because it's not just Abreu. I, we expect Rafaela to be up, right? Like, mm. expect him to come up, potentially. Uh and, and the, this is when the farm system finally starts 
to become the major league team in some way. And the the Bloom farm system. The, was Rafaela Dombrowski or Bloom? I I think that's a good question. Let me look that up right now. Because so far, it's all Dombrowski guys. Duran, Casas, Bayo. Um, they're all Dombrowski guys. Rafaela was either – let's look this up. He was, I, I'm willing to bet that he was either the last year of Dombrowski or the first year. Yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely on the fence there. Yeah, so he was – okay, he was signed – oh, July 2017, so well within the Dombrowski era. Okay, never mind. Now, um, yeah, in, I mean, in, in, in Bloom's defense – if you give the guy an extra rook to play chess with, he's not going to say no, right? You know, he's going to well, take it. If if rook is in this terms uh, means prospect, then he's going to take all all of the rooks and just hold on to them for five years and not move them off the board at all. Okay, all right. I don't think you understand chess, but that's I don't. I don't. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> but I do think that this is. Like right now is sort of the natural inflection point, which is why it's very funny, especially after the Yankees series and the Astros salvage, which is like huge, huge, obviously amazing. Mm-hmm. Like this team probably won't make the playoffs, but goddamn if they aren't going to like toy at it like a cat with a ball of string. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the timing of it is crazy because like you're going to get the September call-ups immediately and starting as we move into next year, more salaries off the books, more what Bloom has been building, which has taken a long time. And I think that that is a fair thing to take issue with. On some level, but we have lived that long to see it. So I think the Red Sox should continue to improve. Yeah. And that is why this year they didn't make any big moves at the trade-up line. And they're just sort of like going to finish two games, three games out of the wild card as they've been pretty much the entire year. Now, here's a question, though, to bring this back to what we started the pod with, talking about the Yankees. The expectation, I think, for most people is that the Red Sox are going to and have to be aggressive in the free agent pitching market this offseason. And obviously the name everyone talks about for the most part is Yoshi in Japan, Yamamoto, and Julio Arias is a guy that I would love because he's a free agent, despite the fact that he's only like 26 years old. Obviously, we were talking about Otani. We won't be talking about him as a pitcher for a long time. In that sense, is it bad for the Red Sox that the Yankees are going to finish under 500 in last place for the first time in over a generation? Because are the Yankees now going to come out and say, okay, fuck this. Are they going to do like a 2009 all over again and just say, sign the three top free agents, go? I mean, fuck, I don't give a shit. Like, I do. They, if the- well, wait, 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 wait. So are they going to do this thing they did in 2009? That yeah. was really like, yeah, and they won in 2009, but that was it, right? That's the one time they won. Okay, yeah. fine. They're never this bad. 
this is worth it. They would it, do this if they were five games better than this. If they were seven games better than this, they have the same reaction. So no, I disagree. They're they're objectively below average. And in some senses, I saw one of these Twitter things where it was just how bad your WRC plus was, whatever. And it was 30 teams and then the A's and the Yankees on the side. No, man, this is the outlier. Do not let it pass without exploiting every fucking minute of it. I, I don't disagree with you at all. It, it It is worth it. It is worth it. But there is no such thing as a free lunch, as they say. That's and in fine, this case, but like, they have as much, they, they could, they just, sorry. I mean, but like, what if just, that, what if that's what, what, like, if, if that's what the cost is, if the cost of this wonderful last place under 500 Yankee season is they then go out and ruin the Red Sox plans for, finally spending on pitching in, in free agency this offseason. And if we go into, if we show up at Fort Myers next year and the most exciting pitching acquisition is like, you know, not Corey Kluber bad, but, but a, a Kluber ish, you know, veteran who they're able to sign to a four year deal. Because the Yankees signed Yamamoto and signed Julio Arias, and and because Otani can't pitch next year, that's not going to be great. Yeah, but this is. Fair enough. I got to say that Otani's Ota- Ota- arm injury, I think, makes it far more likely that the Red Sox do go after him, because. Oh, you're absolutely right. Oh, God, like absolutely. Back end, yeah. no, that's true. Back end value. Just like, yeah. Think about. There's actual value to be had there. Where yeah. that was not now, before. right, right. Before, exactly. Before, whereas before you'd be paying for two great players in one. Now you can maybe pay for one and a half players, and then get a second guy next year when he comes back from the arm injury. It is funny though. It's like. Uh, I say that, but I was like, maybe the American League home run champion wouldn't be that cheap. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's he's still going to cost a ton. But that is like, it's it's if if here's how you got to think about Otani. Like, if you're going to pay him what he's worth, then you're paying two superstars. You're paying a you're paying the American League home run champion, and you're and you're paying uh, a, a top five side you're paying pitcher. Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. Coming off of you're paying, you know, you are you're paying Kevin Durant coming off of the torn ACL. Just like Brian. it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You're so much better. It doesn't matter. Uh, is Hyam Bloom now going to sign Shohei Otani? <laughs> the more I think about this, I mean, the whole thing is like again, he's no. two players. He's two is, players. The answer is no, but it's more likely than it was before. It's it is definitely more likely, and oh my god. Wait a minute. Hold on, Brian. Not only, not only is there now surplus value in Otani, because next year he he will presumably if if he's getting Tommy John again, which we don't know that that's what's going to happen, but it's at least a fifty percent chance at this point. If next year he's only one player, 
and then thereafter he's two again. Then there's the surplus value that Bloom gets because you're not playing for two. You're not paying for two players right at the top. And then, and then it also buys him one more year of a rebuild before they have to go all in. Because then they, then they can say like, it's 2025 when Shohei the pitcher is ready to come back. That that's our big year. I strongly disagree. If you sign Shohei Otani this offseason, you cannot say you're not going for if it. If you sign Shohei the hitter and pitcher, yes. Dude, if you sign only it's the like DH. signing Aaron Judge. It's like yeah. the same <laughs> shit. So yes, he's not pitching, but he's still Aaron Judge. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm thinking of it. I do. Pieces, the pieces are starting to fit in my head here. Monsters of Socks after dark. (laughs) My God. It's the couch. It's because I'm sitting on a couch. I'm sitting on a couch. I'm leaning in. Uh, Do you you want to do some what's cooler, what's worse? Yeah, let's do it. I have one what's worse. I don't want to step on your corner, but I've had, uh, you know how I've, I've, I've explained before how I just have a, document that I keep it up on my desktop and I if I see something interesting potentially interesting about the Red Sox I put it in there I have one thing that's been on this document for over a month now and I haven't figured out how to work it in and I figured out how to work it in tonight but only in a what's worse situation not a what's cooler okay but before we do that let me say we forgot to take a break and I'm going to put it in back 15 minutes ago we're not doing it now continue okay all right. Uh, we should start. We're in a look. Things are things are looking up. So I think we should start with a cooler, um, because hey, the Red Sox just won seventeen to one a couple hours ago. We don't want to start with the negative, okay? Um, so I'll start. What's cooler? Adam Duvall's Kurt Gibson home run last night, or Luis Arias hitting grand slams in back to back games? Definitely, Luis Arias. Definitely. Uh, no, it wasn't back-to-back games. Well, it was back-to-back games for him. Yes, it wasn't, I you're right. It wasn't, it, was back-to-back, it wasn't back-to-back Red Sox games. It was, it was, it, no, no, no. no I, I'm not diminishing it. I am expanding it. It was back-to-back pitches and back-to-back swings. Was it back-to-back swings? Yes. Holy shit. Okay, that yes. is pretty damn cool. I don't that, think I realized that. That is why I said that. <laughs> Because okay. he said afterwards, he said after he's like, this is fucking crazy because I can't remember hitting a grand slam high school or like ever. And then I hit them on back to back. Yes, it was 100% back to back swings. Okay, that's pretty damn cool. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> but hitting a home run, a massive clutch home run after you've hobbled around the on deck circle area for five minutes. And and what's cool about the Adam Duvall home run too is, I'm sure like I'm sure you were thinking the same thing as you're watching him, as as we're thinking okay he's coming out he's coming out he's coming out, and then you see Alex Cora head back to the dugout and he goes back to the on deck circle. You think Kirk Gibson? Now of I've course. had that thought like right. a million right. times before right. as I've watched baseball. And then right, it happens. It's, but then it actually happened, <laughs> and, and and happened on the very next pitch too if it Again, wasn't like back to if it wasn't back-to-back swings and i believe back-to-back pitch i believe it was the first pitch he saw in the in the second at bat and it wasn't 
I was also like, I had played sports with a friend of mine who has young kids and my kids played and we we're sitting there at the bar as Yankees I live in New York. And uh, I saw, I just saw it. And I was like, this is awesome. Nobody said, nobody cares. People are so over the Yankees. The silence was beautiful. <laughs> it was beautiful. But yeah, I mean, the Duvall thing was out of a movie, but this was um, like hitting a, uh, hitting a parlay bet that you wouldn't even put in a movie because it's just too crazy. So, All right, you're up. Oh, I didn't prepare anything, so you can go again. Oh, you're just winging? Okay. So yeah. All right. All right. What is cooler? The insane sliding catch that Garrett Whitlock made the other night, which happened in a close game and was a great play, didn't but count. which technically didn't count. That's a key part, but which technically didn't count, and in the in the world of the baseball didn't happen. Or the play that Pablo Reyes made in today's game, which was probably not as spectacular, but it was an outstanding backhanded sort of aerial throw to second base to just get a guy, and it did count, but the score was already eleven to one. Oh, definitely the Whitlock one. The Whitlock one. It's like um, there's this there's this clip. Patrick Ewing in college going on this coast to coast dunk where he just like they use it in commercials to like illustrate ferocious dunks. It's like it's nasty and they show mm. and then it, they never include that they it was called off. It didn't matter. Like it was just that that play didn't actually happen. So the Whitlock thing, though it didn't actually happen, was so impressive. Especially it was so impressive. In context, that it's like that. No, that's that's the one. Like that was. I, it was also like Pablo Reyes is a middle infielder, and also Pablo Reyes is the best player in baseball. So I'm not surprised when he plays <laughs> makes good plays. Right now that Shohei's arm is hurt, Reyes number one. But Whitlock, after coming back after being on the L and the difficulty of that play in general, the heads upness of the play in general makes me think that that, that I think is, is more impressive. I actually wonder, and the answer is probably no, but I can't think nothing is coming to my head right now. Is that the greatest defensive play a pitcher's ever made? (laughs) Wow. It can't, I, I want to say it can't no, possibly No, no, be. no, I have a much better one. Remember when Mariano threw it into the center field against the Diamondbacks and then the extending the lead, uh, game seven of the 2001 World Series the Yankees <laughs> lost? That's the best play, uh, defensive play a pitcher's ever made. Uh, do you have one in the non-ironic category? <laughs> Not yet, but I'll work on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That was a great play uh, for other reasons. No, but like it can't, it couldn't possibly be the best player pitchers ever made, but maybe it was. <laughs> I don't know. Cause it's such a best catches. Like, yeah, you pitchers make a lot of heads up plays because of knowing situations with the runners. And if they're expecting this or that, or whether they know the info fly rule, in and out and maybe they do and the runners don't but in general they're going to be called off on 
pretty much any pop-up attempt. Well, that's what the Whitlock play has going for it. You're right. Like we've seen the the the, the type of play you just described, where like a pitcher gets a quick comebacker and makes a perfect throw to get a guy at third when everyone expected him to just turn and throw to first instead. That's a great play, but we also see it all the time. We've never, ever, ever seen a pitcher even stand where Garrett Whitlock was on the field when he made that catch. Yeah, it's really like a third baseman, first baseman catcher play because of where it is and, and how they have to – like you can't, a second baseman could never get to that place. No, no, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was awesome. It also didn't happen, so – and it didn't happen. It's a bummer. <laughs> but I actually think that makes it cooler for, for our purposes. Because we will remember it more because it didn't happen, I we think. We will remember you, Garrett Whitlock. All right, go ahead. All right. Uh, last, last cooler one and then my one worse. All right, here's a poetry edition of what's cooler. What's cooler? Michael K., calling a Glaber Torres home run by saying the sky is blue and the score is tied at two or Tristan Casas captioning a picture of himself watching his home run ball fly out of the yard with quote, she's a silhouette of dreams in the middle of the night. Oh, definitely Casas. Cause that's actually <laughs> cool. And by the way, and I don't know if it is actually that cool, but I did. It's definitely, it's definitely at least arguably cool. It's like original. Case. Yeah. It's a ri- When I saw that, I was like, that must be a lyric or something. No, but as you said, like, Casa's Instagram is like, he, he has a very specific goal in mind. Yeah. He's trying to be soulful in addition to being a very highly compensated, handsome young player on the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing that potentially pushes it into less cool category because he, it's genuine with him, so I don't mind it. But he, but he is very much trying to portray himself as the the soulful guy. Um, and let's face it, that line is like I'm not actually sure what that line means. It's kind of just a bunch of pretty words jammed together. <laughs> Um, I can you, I can I presumably the she is the baseball, I guess. The the baseball is the silhouette of dreams. I'm not even sure if something that's a perfect sphere can have a silhouette. That's that's the first question. Um, unless it was, unless it was like just perfectly backlit against the lights, and so it wasn't a wasn't a profile silhouette, but it was just like a darkened silhouette. Why wouldn't the perfect sphere be able to have a silhouette. Well, one understand. of the def- one of the definitions of silhouette uh, requires it to be a profile, mm. Mm. and a perfect sphere <laughs> cannot, by definition, have a profile. Doesn't have a front. Doesn't have a back. Doesn't have a side. Fair enough. There are no uh, degrees to uniqueness. Can't be very unique. I can't but, yeah. spit that at people and then argue with what you said. Uh, the only thing I'll say with Casas is that. Most baseball players are the worst people in the world and suck ass. So I'll take a little overbearingness on the trying to be emo. That's fine. I mean, he yeah. paints his nails. Like he, he, he lives the life. 
He does. Yeah. I'm happy for the guy. Um, and Michael K is, is one of the worst people in the world. So <laughs> perfectly. He's not one of the worst people, but he's, he's one of his baseball announcers. This, this, there's this weird, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it makes sense intuitively to me, at least that all these baseball announcers have like the eating habits of 16 year old boys. They eat like chicken fingers and fries. Yeah. And burgers. Like and they don't eat vegetables. Night, probably. Like yeah. even Al Michaels has famously says he's never <clears throat> eaten a vegetable. And they, it's, it's like these people who live in this in stadium environment and live off the stadium food. And to them, that is just cuisine, baby. It's confusing and, to me. And so wait, so why? So wait, Michael, K, say, Michael K is very outspoken about his very, very particular and like 15-year-old yeah. eating habits. I, but but weren't you trying to defend Michael K to me? No. I mean, that's what you that. came up with? Well, I said he was I said he sucks, and you said, well, he doesn't suck, but he eats like a 15-year-old. Oh no, he sucks too. But I, I, I think you said something worse than sucks. To me, he's I just said, yeah, fair enough. I said he, he's one of the worst people in the world. That's, yeah, that's he's hyperbole. not that. He's that's not, hyperbole, but I do he, find him. Incredible. He's not that. He's not that important. That's my point. It's like okay. he can't be one of the worst people in the world. Let's not let's not give him that because he okay. is not that important. You know what? At I least, agree if with you want to, like, point. he's no Sterling or even Susan Waldman. They have actual character. Now they're ridiculous people, but they have character. Michael K is just replacement. I live in a television studio or baseball stadium where I eat chick figures and fries. Got <laughs> okay. All right. That you know what? I, I think that uh I had no idea where you're going with when you started with the food thing, but now it makes sense. He married this uh who was a morning show. Anchor here. Obviously, he married a morning show. Anchor. Right, and like when that happened, I was like, "Oh my god! Like this is perfect. It's just yeah. you couldn't you couldn't script this better." Yeah. All right, last one. Dip is stepping on your corner here for what is worse. Like I said, this has been on on my document for over a month. I, I haven't known what to do with it. What is worse, the fact that Rob Ref Snyder said that he wants to go by the nickname Bargain Bob because he outperforms his contract or the fact that he said that over a month ago and nobody is calling him that yet. The first one. That's terrible. <laughs> Isn't that's awful. that awful? That's First, all, first of all, plainly a contract ploy. And I, I think it was accepted <laughs> as such as nobody took the bait. <laughs> I think you're well, you know what? If it is a contract ploy, then that's better than him just being happy about being exploited, which is what confused me about it at first. At first, I was just like, dude, that's not a good thing that you're not getting paid enough. Yeah. So if it's a contract ploy, then I'll actually give him a little bit more props. This is but the bottom line is like, like give Tristan Cassis some wiggle room because like we're not dealing with the top, yeah, you, top echelon ref, here. 
Well, no, no. Ref Snyder is apparently Quite, one of these ball players who like reads and does the crossword and things like that. Okay. So, okay. But, first yeah. of all, first of all, as someone who like does the crossword, okay, I know, like, I know you on. do the crossword. But the other part is like that makes you feel smart sometimes, but maybe sometimes like maybe want to pump the brakes a little bit. Even I pump the brakes sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> other times i'm just never wrong yeah that's true but either way regardless of what is it's a terrible thing that is you well it's a terrible but you also like you're not allowed to give yourself a nickname at all at all like we know this we've seen we saw what happened when george costanza tried to do it you're not allowed there's one person who was allowed to give themselves nicknames and it's Shaq. that was it okay fair enough and even he's now that he's uh, retired, kind of shown himself to be a little bit of a tool on TNT, I think. Yeah, but he, <laughs> the funny thing about that is, and this is tangential and not to the same degree, but if you ask me, if you had one game of the history of baseball, who would you pick to be on your team? I think I'd take Otani, like plainly to pitch and then to hit. And if you ask me to play basketball, you have one game and you got to win. Who are you going to take? I think I take Prime Shack. So yeah, well, I guess it de- it sort of depends on the era, though. If we don't. It kind of does, it, but I also think that it it kind of might not. But yeah, fair enough. Um, um, by he, the way, do, have, do you know the Seinfeld episode I'm talking about where George tries to nickname himself T Bone? Uh, I mean, I've seen it, but I don't. Okay. Do you know? Because because I think where I'm going with this is. I think we maybe need to start calling Rob Ruff Snyder Coco the Gorilla. We should call him T-Bone, frankly. <laughs> no, because it backfires on George, and he ends up getting called Coco the Gorilla instead yeah, of I'm, T-Bone. Yeah, I'm not calling another man a gorilla. That's not happening. Well, fair enough. <laughs> um, I I had a job, and I, I met my coworkers, and uh, they asked me once, like, oh, did, is there a nickname or something? And I said, yeah, my nickname is. But then I had a ball of paper in my hand and I shot it at a trash basket and I made it. And I go, points! And then they just called me points after that. <laughs> what were you going to say? I don't remember. I don't Because I've had many <laughs> nicknames. I didn't say it after that. They just called me points. Like, so you're going, you're going by points. I mean, I made the shit. I was I, t- I didn't want them to do it, and they knew that, so they did it. Uh, but <laughs> it's a good I, thing you didn't say Kobe when you, when you did it. Well, I did make the shot, so like that's the important part. The reason I said points is I made the shot. So yes, I I'm glad I didn't say Kobe. I wouldn't say Kobe. I, I understand. Yes, I've seen the Chappelle show skit. I understand, but I I wouldn't say Kobe. I don't like. I didn't like Kobe. Actually, I didn't like Kobe until I'm just gonna. I saw him play when he was toward the end of his career at the Barclays Center, and the teams weren't very good. It was Lakers and Nets, and he, with like two minutes left, he didn't have his knees, but he did this thunderous dunk in my end of the arena, and the whole like the Nets were just nothingness. They were just material on what you put interesting other teams 
And the crowd went crazy. And I said to my friend who was a big Kobe, I was like, okay, I don't hate Kobe anymore. Cause that was just, it was so cool that he just, and it basically won the game too. It wasn't yeah. ancillary. Right. Anyhow. We're going to hold on. No, hold on. No, hold on. We're going to talk Kobe for oh, a second. Shit. I, I got a question for you. Cause actually yeah. I was thinking about this last week. Um, Wander Franco. Oh boy. Well, I was wondering. I was wondering if we were going to talk about this. Well, I think we we speaking of closure. I think we do need closure because this is the show that spent some time last week talking about Alan Dershowitz's penis. Two weeks ago. <laughs> Two weeks ago. Friend and of mine for, is on vacation on the vineyard and posted pictures from that same beach, and I was looking for penises, but okay, nothing there. Good. So we, we talked about that two weeks ago. Earlier in the season, we had an episode that was basically the We Love Wander Franco Hour. <laughs> Given those two polls, we have disturbing themes that we have to knock out here and close this off. But here's, here's what I was thinking about that, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering about your opinion here. So it looks like Wander Franco, frankly, regardless of what happens in the Dominican with the legal case, is never going to play Major League Baseball again. And likewise, I think Trevor Bauer, we already know, never going to play Major League Baseball again. Now, here are two things that I think about that. One, I am certain that 20 years ago, both of those guys still would be playing, right? We can agree on that. Yes. So there's clearly been a massive shift with respect to that type of behavior. 20 years ago, Trevor Bauer, Wander Franco would be playing. Now they will never play again. But here's the complicated thing, I think. I also think that if the Kobe Bryant thing happened today, it would probably play out pretty much exactly the same way. With the lone exception being he wouldn't be flying back from Colorado to play for the Lakers, which was insane. That's I can't believe that happened in retrospect. So that wouldn't happen. I think like he wouldn't be on the Lakers while he was on trial, but I still think if it happened today, he would come back to the NBA. It would be very scandalous for a year or two, and then eventually everyone would forget about it. And I'm I'd, so and so. Two questions: Do you think I'm right that the Kobe that even though the Wander Franco and Trevor Bauer situations would be drastically different? The Kobe thing would be about the same. And why do you think that is, if you think I'm right? I think you're right. I think one of the main reasons you're right is that in the cases of Bauer and Franco, the major problem here is in a pattern of behavior. Mm. And not uh, does not excuse anything Kobe did or anything any single person did on one single day. But the pattern, you're dealing with human beings here, right? And human beings make mistakes. And when you say people like Bauer and Franco will be playing now, I think that Bauer is the line. Bauer is the Bauer's number one. And now Franco is probably number two. Yeah. Of where these lines were drawn hard and fast. And I think it is because Bauer had several credible accusers. And Franco has several 
accusers as it stands. Now, obviously, you can look at the NFL and note how it's different in the NFL. That, I think, is simply a function of the popularity of the NFL, and I don't think it's any more complicated than that. Well, see, that's what what I was wondering is whether it's a case of we still as a society let celebrities do this shit. But I think maybe the bar of celebrity has been raised. And now Trevor Bauer and Wander Franco don't clear that bar. Whereas Kobe Bryant does. And, and Deshaun not Watson that, does. And I actually I wouldn't even say Deshaun Watson does. Because well, I don't not think a football fan and like but I, well but but Deshaun Watson like I think the vast majority of Americans don't know what Deshaun Watson's face looks like compared to Kobe Bryant in nineteen ninety eight. They know like what his jizz looks like, though. Sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll edit that one. I'll edit that out. 104-36. <laughs> but no, like Deshaun Watson, like, but the NFL is just different. Because I Deshaun Watson isn't anywhere near as famous as Kobe Bryant was in 1998. He's not as famous as Kobe Bryant is now. No. That's, that's how, you know, there's, and the NFL owners like it that way. Um, so I don't. So I think. But there's... he did settle. The other thing is that the the NFL will give you a lot of rope to settle civil cases. Yeah, Trevor Bauer would still be playing if he were a football player for sure. Right. So like yeah. they will let you settle the civil cases and they will still punish you, but they will punish you based on a fraction of what you would have been punished on. Yeah. Uh, otherwise so with Cause... kobe like i think the reason why the kobe thing would play out is because he was so famous that kobe was part of the culture when this happened yes and in that sense like he ceases he ceased to become a person and became something we use to entertain ourselves it's the and not in the same vein of the crime but it's oj-esque in the sense that it became like came fun for us it, it was like it, it was yes it was an enter it wasn't it wasn't always entertaining and it was not always fun to look at but it was yeah and that's not deshaun watson deshaun watson is not part of the culture and he's not but but that's just the thing part where of the it's football like culture and that's big enough and exactly, yeah, he's 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 a cog. Trevor Bauer is not the, big enough. Wonder yeah. Franco is not big enough. No, although I do wonder. I mean, it's 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 like Wander Franco. We obviously have no idea how his career would have unfolded, but it, you could easily call him a Hall of Fame talent. Like he might be. Uh, he's not going to be the last. He's certainly not going to be the last guy to face these consequences. Now that we've now that. We've started doing the well, right we do thing. That we don't know. Like maybe he settles the case, civil cases in Dominican, and then literally has a two-year ban or something. I don't no. know. I, no, I, I, I he's not come, no, he's not come back. He's not. But, he's not. But, okay, Major League because Major League Baseball is not big enough to deal with the PR hit. That's a very good point. The way the let me is. let me just flip this on you. So he's a switch hitter. Two switch hit. When I was working the other day. Some old head dropped this trivia question on me. And 
It's one of the best trivia questions I've ever gotten in my life. Who is the last American League switch header to win the MVP? And like Wander Franco might have been the next one. Yeah. I'll see who the last one is, and I'll tell you who it isn't. Mickey Mantle. Yeah, I'll tell you who it is. Vita Blue. There you go. <laughs> that there is, you go. is one of the all-time great baseball It's one questions. of the all-time great baseball yeah. questions, but I was thinking, and I, I only I was know it because who would have been yeah. the person who would have broken it? It's like, well, would have been Wander. It would have been him. Like it yeah. would have been Wander. Yeah. And and I do think like he's not gonna be he's not gonna be the last player to be banished from the game. But at this point, he's probably like the greatest player to ever be banished from a sport, right? I mean, who's whoever has even been banished from a sport before? I mean, at his age, that the thing is his age, because like Pete Rose, Shoeless Joe. Like those okay, are the, yeah, those that's are the obvious ones, right? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. Shoeless Joe. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot about that one. I mean, but Pete Rose was already a manager when his gambling scandal thing happened. Right. Um, of course. Yeah, Pete Rose is the big one. It's 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 I guess it's Rose. If you say Franco. who's banned from baseball, people would say Pete Rose. Like that's the yeah, first thing that would come true. Or right. sorry, Shoeless. It's it's Shoeless Joe or Franco. Um so now uh, we're talking about a hundred years. You have to go back a hundred years before yeah, you find someone comparable. This is this is why I say it's okay to be mad about the Mookie trade because, uh, but anyhow, <laughs> yeah. enough about that. But it'll uh, be interesting because he's not going to be the last. Like this is this is going to happen now in sports every two or three years. There's going to be an athlete who does something like these guys did, and they're just gone. What the craziest thing to me, and like I I've been thinking about this, and I hate that I think about this, but. Rob Manfred is not a very good communicator or likable person, but the speed with which this happened is incredibly, this is where you want to be. And, and they're there. And that, that he probably fought against this uh, in dealing with the union. So Tony Clark, all credit too, but like, this is how this should play out. Yeah. I agree with you. And we are so far from that. Uh, that's why I say Bauer was the one where everything changed. And yeah. I do think, and even the arbitrator thought that they sort of made an example of Bauer. But I didn't think that was a bad thing. Not leastwise because, look, I'm a person and I have my own opinions. And Trevor Bauer's a fucking piece of shit. Well, that's a, that is an interesting and important dynamic to discuss here. Like Trevor Bauer was one of the most hated men in the sport, even before these allegations came out. He had no friends in the game. Everyone cultivated he cultivated that reputation. Yeah. So it was easy for them to do it to Trevor Bauer. Um and it's they had to do it to somebody to get to this point. And it was like it's sort of useful, I think. But I guess I guess I just want to pull back on giving Manfred too much credit. (laughs) Or any or any because one, it was easy to do it for Bauer. And like I said, with the with MLB versus the NFL, Major League Baseball is not big enough to deal with the PR hit that would come with not doing anything to Wander Franco. The NFL, if if Major League Baseball was big enough, I think Rob Manfred would be fine trying to let him back in the game. You know, I don't I don't think I don't I don't think Rob Manfred is doing this for moral reasons. I think it's as much about uh, league survival than than it is any sense of morality. But that is his job. 
Sure. But I just don't know how much credit he gets for doing the right thing. I'm not saying I don't know how much credit reasons. he gets. I'm just saying this worked the way it should have. And that it is did. refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed there. Even if it worked the way it should have for the wrong reasons, which I think it probably did. It's uh I just can't believe it. It's a, such a whiplash. It's it uh, I if I was a Rays fan, first of all, why? Oh but second God. of all, uh devastating. It's but I mean they're they're not the victims here. Anyhow. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> do we want to talk about the Dodgers any more than we have? I don't think we need to. No. Do you have a recommendation? Uh, yeah, my recommendation is you go first. Shit. I'm going to do this on the fly. <laughs> I was really, I didn't prepare for this podcast because I was expecting Jake to be here. I was expecting him to be yeah, here. Uh, Jake, Jake Dever really wanted to be here, yeah. folks. My recommendation is when you say you're going to do a podcast, do it. That's my recommendation. Two weeks in a row now, he said he could. Well, I mean, he just, well no, I was the one that I was the one that canceled. But Jake didn't want to do it with just me. He wants he wanted to do it with both of us. That's true. Yeah. Uh, my recommendation would be. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing to recommend. Oh, you know what? A, a book I'm reading. A book I'm reading. I got it. This is a book. Somebody who lives in our building put books downstairs, and uh, this has happened a lot in the city, as you know. But it doesn't happen a lot in the suburbs where people put out books and like books I might like. I pick them up, and I was like, "Oh, I looked at them, and you think like you look. I don't want any of them." And this is one of those stacks where it's like, actually, I want every single one of these books. Uh, and so I brought this book back. And I started to read it, and I realized they must have cats because my allergies started going crazy, and I put it down. Picked it up a few days later, and I'm only like a quarter of the way through it. It's good. It's new. It's a new book. It's uh, on the celestial level. It's new because it's called Crime and Punishment. Mm. Crime and Punishment. So it's crime not just and crime. Punishment. It's not just punishment. And and the punishment, spoiler alert, doesn't just mean like it's like internal turmoil. It's by Fyodor Dostoevsky, you might have heard of him, but yeah, I, I do books. have to say that uh, if somebody hadn't put the book in my lobby, I would be reading it right now, but it was there. I was like, oh shit, I've never read this. I have all the way through. I started reading it. I was like, I, 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 this, I actually want to say this earnestly about this book and books like it, Russian novels, even like American longer novels. As I watch more videos and use my phone more and more and more. I used to see books that were big, and though I read them, I'd be like, something about this isn't necessary. This is too big. There's too much um, background. There's too much going on. But now that when I am reading a book, it is so unlike everything I do, I find the small details and the world building, like, this is how they hit people, a lot of people for generations. That's why I'm reading this book 170 years after it was published or whatever, right? But I feel it now way more than I did before uh, in, in the like the power of the word 
is just obvious because I don't deal with it nearly as often. As you know, I don't write as much as I should. All right. So I do have a recommendation now. One, I recommend don't smoke too much pot in high school because I, I refuse to believe that this was not on your high school curriculum. I didn't smoke pot in high school at all. Not once. Then, then were you just not there no, for no, no, a no, no, month? No, every high school kid in America reads this book. Mm-hmm. Everyone. No, no, no. We had Anna Karenina for Le- from Tolstoy and Brothers K. We didn't do Crime and Punishment. You we did Anna Karenina and Brothers K. They, they well, I'm, I'm impressed that you did those two. Actually, they took right? their. They, they, oh, man, I the only time I ever felt smart in the University of Chicago English class was the very first day. Guys, like all happy families are the same. He wrote it on the board. Blah blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. It's like, what book is this from? Like Anna Karenina, and that was like, I think the last thing I contributed the entire class. <laughs> nice. I mean, the Brothers Karamazov. That book is like a thousand pages or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's all. I've never read it. Yeah, um, that's huge. It's also, um, uh, it's also the fucking, it's the, it's the shit. I, I have heard good things. It's supposed to be really funny. Um, but I also, I really agree with you with what you said uh, after that. I actually think that, the, like, it's for for as much as all of literature and journalism and all writing is dying in every sense. I think novels actually may be poised to make a comeback for that exact reason, because now they like pre-internet, it was a thing obviously that people enjoyed, but it was just another thing. Now it's like a very, very different thing compared to the rest of your everyday life. It's like this creator sat down and instead of making a thousand TikToks, strung (laughs) them all together with words Yeah, and it's cohesive and but it really it's starting to hit me in a way that makes me i you know i'm a product of my generation it really makes me appreciate it in a way that i wish i could have appreciated it when i was 17 and some of my contemporaries did most didn't but some did i didn't i wanted to and now i do it's nice that's all yeah, maybe I'll, maybe i'll give that a reread cuz that's one of his, that's one of the shorter ones and uh, yeah, yeah I don't, not, I don't think I've I, I haven't cracked it open since like junior year of high school. I don't think I'm so. only, as I said, I'm only a quarter way through it, but it's very, it seems very brisk. It's moving through yeah. stuff very fast. Um, well, right, good one. You know, what you just did you salvaged the recommendation segment just like the Red Sox salvaged the series against the Astros. Yeah, that was pretty nice. Well, we'll see what happens against the Dodgers and their eight thousand uh red sox dan am i gonna see you next week are we are we we're nearing uh dan goes away time oh no i'll still i'll i'll be i'll be potting right up until d-day all right and i think we'll have we will probably have jake here next week because he'll probably be like i can't push it off a third time but maybe maybe he does because he's just an asshole but yeah maybe we'll ask him about that well I hope everybody enjoys the Mookie takes today. Uh, but I hope also you're all sick of it because you heard it from me already. For Dan Secatori, I'm Brian Joyner. This is Monsters of Socks. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care. <laughs>